You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Sydney. I am Benolia. I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today I'm your host. Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across Australia to discuss industry passions, challenges, as well as ideas. My name is Vinolia, and I connect businesses with talent in the data engineering market. Today, I am joined by Hendrik Frentrop, who is the engineering lead for data platforms at Baron Joey. Um, Ramesh Kumar, who is the engineering manager for data analytics um, platform at Big Ten Can, as well as Cassie Leung, who is the head of data science as as Bill at as Bill Digital, to discuss formalization and career path in technology. Before we delve into um, the topic, guys, let's work our way around the room to do some um, introductions. Um, Cassie, do you want to kick us off with your introduction, like just basically introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Cassie, the head of data science at SBU Digital. Um, SBU Digital is a small to medium-sized startup company based in New Zealand in the uh, development and construction industry. So um, before joining the company, I have been you know, fortunate enough to work at multiple uh, Fortune 200 companies in US and blue chip company in Australia. So, and that has helped me really gain a lot of extensive domain knowledge in the field. And this also, you know, kind of help me, you know, allow me to drive that AI initiative in this construction industry. I, I believe that everyone can think of like how dinosaur this industry is. But um, in terms of the AI solution that my team has built so far, we have typical um, the ML uh, solutions, you know, regression, classification, but also we touch a little bit on uh, NLP models and deep learning with computer vision. So that's me. Amazing. Thanks for that introduction, Cassie. Ramesh, do you want to go next? Yeah, hi. My name is uh, Ramesh. Um, I'm the engineering manager at Big Ten Can for Data Team, Data Platform Team. Um, my primary experience has been in software development, application development, uh, so over 20 years of experience. Worked in various industries in investment banking. Coincidentally, I was in Credit Suisse for the majority of my career was there. Um, and then since I moved to Australia, uh, I started working in data data analytics uh, space. So I worked for uh, IRI, which is a market leader in uh, sales data analytics. And then I joined Big Tin Can. Uh, Big Tin Can has got a sales automation platform. Uh, we're building a data platform for uh, for you know improving the or enhancing the analytics capability for Big Ten Can. Amazing! Thank you for that introduction, Ramesh. Uh, Henrik, do you want to go next? Yeah, pleasure to be here. Hey, everyone. So I lead the data engineering team at Baron Joey, and uh, yeah, we've built something up from the ground up, which is quite exciting. Um, my background's in. Um, academic research really, and I ventured into data science, but um, as it happened um, and lots of companies invested in the data science department, they realized um, we need some of the plumbing done. Um, and so that's how I ventured upstream into data engineering um, and really found myself there. Amazing, thank you for that, Hendrik. Um, now that we have established um, you know, the context to each of you guys, let's move on to the topic in focus. And you all have a question or a statement on um, formalization and career path in technology as you know, you all in the technology space. Um, and as usual, what I'll do is I'll work around the room asking each of you guys to pose your question and the reason behind it. And each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on, um, you know, each other's specific questions. Um, so let's just start off with yourself, Henrik. Um, you came up with this uh, topic that we are discussing discussing today: formalization and career path within, you know, the technology space. Do you want to give us a bit of um, insight as to what your thought was behind that, and give us your your question as well, please? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Um, 
I think, yeah, we're coming at a crossroads in the data engineering discipline. Um, we've been, you know, it's a, it's a nascent industry. It's a, it's a nascent uh, career path, really. Um, it uh, sprung up out of um, sort of this investment into data science um, and uh, and came off the back of it. Um, in general, there are very few university courses still, um, but gradually, I would say, as a as a career, it is formalizing. Um, and as, so, I thought it would um, it would make sense to actually um, recap and look look where we stand, and um, you know how how that formalization could look like and should look like. Um, and I guess it would make sense to um, essentially recap uh, the last decade since uh, data engineering became a thing. Um, um, recap a little bit what you know what challenges data engineers uh, are there to solve um, and then think about um, what are the challenges ahead of us um, what's what's unsolved um, yeah so if if you don't mind I'll, I'll just quickly um, dive into into that recap of decade what you know what's yeah. happened um, and what um, um, what were the main topics um, you know it's, it's really interesting it's been a it's been a decade that was driven by um, industry and and you know the economy really uh, going online um, right, the internet um, and mobile phones, uh, mobile internet that that really um, was a big big boost. And then something that came with it was, of course, um, the demand um, for real time information. Um, on the one hand, <clears throat> from the consumer side, um, it's just a sort of uh, a consumer, uh, an industry expectation to have um, real time information. Um, so if I, you know, if I um, do a transfer on my banking app. Um, I expect that to show up in my balance right away. Um, and often we expect um, the money actually to be transferred um, to whoever is the recipient right away. So yeah. this is, you know, one of those challenges um, that that's driven by the consumer. But then also um, on the corporate side, right? Um, boards and um, leadership in in companies they um, expect to have um, accurate information. At hand, um, on demand, um, right? The, the 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 dashboard, the the single pane of glass. Um, they want to know what's happening in the company at a given time, and not wait um, a uh, a quarter or something for for a report to come through. Um, you know, and it it comes down to. Um, what assets do we own as a company, right? If you think about the um, companies like uh, Silicon Valley Bank or you know Credit Suisse, we recently had good examples of where having accurate um, and timely information is crucial to the survival of companies. Um, especially, at, yeah, nowadays it's it gives you not only a competitive edge, it also is is a bare necessity in in some in some regards. Data engineering is, you know, contributes. It's it's not just data engineering, but it's it's largely data engineering that, of course, drives um, the reliability, the accuracy, um, you know, the, the well-architected pipelines that underpin um, these these efforts. Um, and you know, I'm I'm talking about real-time information. I'm, I'll stay away from the from the topic of um, AI. Um, you know, there's obviously lots of um, things we could pick up, you know, the, the, um, the recent experiments um, by OpenAI and, you know, um, uh, ChatGPT and, um, and, yeah. and BARD and whatnot. But, you know, without getting into that area, it is generally um, making sure data moves through systems and gets to the people that need it. Um, it gets to the systems that need it. It, ca it can be a person, um, you know, a lot of um, processes and companies, um, data is crucial, but there's still a human in the loop. In some cases, there's no human in the loop anymore. Um, and so understanding that um, and building these um, these well-architected pipelines, right, that's that's sort of what data engineers have focused on um, over the last decade with, um, you know, a massive boom in cloud technology, in, in horizontally scaling systems, um, um, and having um, additional... Uh, compute and storage resources um, a click of a button away. Um, that's been a, a, a massive driver. So there's obviously yeah, this this um, uh, industry trend to cloud is um, is crucial from a data engineering perspective. Um, I would say also open source technology is um, is pivotal. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, projects like um, you know in, in in my domain um, Apache Spark, um, um, Apache Airflow. These are um, fundamental technologies that came out of um, well-funded, uh, venture-funded um, companies like Airbnb. Um, you know, out of out of universities, um, and they've taken on a life of their own. They even spawned. Um, you know, service providers, um, uh, very uh, well-established companies, actually, that that um, contribute to these open-source projects, um, and also turn them into products. Um, and 
um, using them, um, you know, making sure they operate um, accurately and 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 in a in a in a well-functioning way um, within our organizations is um, is part of our jobs um, and part of the achievements that we had over the last decade. Um, and then you know, um, making making a data. I would say streaming applications, right? Streaming applications um, and and real time um, data that that um, flows into dashboards or flows into um, a, a model um, is is absolutely crucial. Um, and you know the the technologies behind that that have been developed, um, a lot of them have stabilized, and you know their industry and best practices that are that 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 have come out of it. Um, but of course, you know that's we're only halfway there, really, because um, uh, you know this is kind of the stuff that we would expect data engineers to um, sort of the bread and butter nowadays um, to be able to roll out these industry best practices. There are things that, um, from a data engineering perspective, is is very much in flux. And I would say just to sort of like name a few examples there, because um, that um, a it's we could argue endlessly about it. What what should be on that list? And and b um, um, it would be. It could be pretty long, um, but these are um, around um, metadata management, um, data lineage. These are still challenges out there um, that that people are struggling with. Um, data governance at scale, I think, um, is um, is one of those challenges that that um, you know more vendors are trying to solve, um, but um, there's no set standard. Um, and you know while. Um, I would say Python and SQL have come out as the lingua uh, lingua franca of uh, data engineering. Um, you know, there's um, there's still uh, there's still um, room for new technologies to um, to be explored. Okay, amazing. Th thanks for that information, um, Hendrik. What are your thoughts on this, um, Ramesh? No, and data engineering space is very uh, complex. It is evolving. It is very young. Um, what I noticed and uh, uh, what what is my experience has been is in data engineering space. Uh, I mean, increasingly in software industry, the uh, roles are becoming very siloed. Uh, when I started with 20, 25 years back, you were expected to uh, know everything end to end, right? So I was I was expected to code the front end. I was expected to work with the database, things like that. But now what I am finding is the data engineering space, I'm getting a lot of engineers who can you know, crunch the data, move the data forward, but they seem to lack a basic software uh, mindset or software engineering mindset, looking at whatever they are building in terms of data pipelines, uh, a lot of them uh, really don't, are not built based on the principles. So, uh, so that aspect of engineering, software engineering is missing. So in when we are formalizing these, the uh, uh, so formalization, the big part should be this, right? The first you need to have that basic foundation, your thought process of how do you engineer a software? At the end of the day, it's a software. Um, so that is the key thing that I see missing in the data engineers. So, but they are very good at understanding, okay, somebody is asking for data, uh, that need, data needs to be delivered. Uh, so the, the functional aspects is okay. They understand what kind of challenges they may face uh, in terms of timeliness of delivery, quality of delivery. But when they are building stuff to deliver uh, data, uh, they are not really maintainable. That part of so yeah, constantly there is this um, uh, you know uh, if, uh, this thing about you know because you have not built something which is really uh, manageable, maintainable. There is constant uh, fight between you know managing uh, the changes and delivering the data on time and maintaining high quality delivery. Okay, thanks for that um, insightful information. What what are your thoughts uh, on um, Hendrik's statement, Cassie? Well, first of all, I want to say that as a data scientist, we super value you know you and appreciate the work that data engineering, um, the work that you guys deliver it to us because we always ask the same thing and we always want the same that all the data just delivered to me be the api just send the data to me and then i will transfer it i will you know convert it ourselves but um i want to say that like, i don't have a lot of uh, experience in data engineering or like, the practice of the data engineering space but one thing i can point out in terms of the challenge that i see i love what you mentioned about i think it's the same tone right the scalability mm -hmm. right 
And then I think with more data coming up, this responsible of you as a data engineer or, you know, like what's your responsible of holding on so much of our valuable data here? Like the data governance piece, the data security piece, I think that's very important now. Not just like SVB or um, a lot of like even right now we have, what, what's that thing? Um, the password, vault password digital, you know, that platform uh, where you where you can store your password, like they got hacked. Um, they not just one and then the multiple times for the past few months and then they hold so much of information there and then you as a platform as a, a company what what's your responsible here how do you get accountable when this thing you know leaked out to the public I think the governance and responsible and ethical piece um in general, we talk a lot about it. Like it, it goes across multiple principles, but engineer data engineering, I think, is still somewhat not defined just yet. Because like all you guys do is just delivering pipeline, right? Submit it down, go down to the downstream. But you guys are the first hand pioneer on the front. Um, so that's why I thought. Um, well, yeah, that's pretty much. I mm. I just started writing it out and learning from everyone at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. A, I think that's a really good point. The sort of um, the standards there, um, like the definition of done or the definition of good, and uh, what what's what's um, the absolute sort of what's the minimum, what's um, you know important and and, and required, especially um, in regulated industries, right? Having having a standard. Um, um, standard of, uh, we you know we have encryption standards, of course, um, and you know um, what what do the architectural standards of a data pipeline, um, what should they look like for, for a given industry? So Hendrik, let me ask you a question. So just now, as you were talking about your statements, you know, like for the past decades or like in you know, a decades ago, um, you mentioned about the challenge and then you were saying that um, somewhat right now is formalizing in the career of data engineers. Like what was the formalization that you've seen? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good one. Um, I think um, the formalization is generally driven by um, vendors. Currently, um, you know, you can you can see it from an from a like cloud um, like software engineering background or uh, like cloud uh, engineering background. Um, Amazon is yeah. um, you know hugely influential with its uh, credentials. Uh, you know, if you're a, if you're a, um, a solution architect, cloud architect on on Amazon, the, these are um, things that a lot of companies um, can can work with. These are things that recruiters can work with. Um, so I would say, in the absence of um, university degrees, um, there's experience, and then there are these credentials that you know I would say. Driven by hyperscalers, um, and we, you know, more and more companies um, are developing their own credentials. Um, especially if you have, you know, the 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 big platforms, um, the ones that are really um, successful in in enterprises. You know, the the Databricks, the Snowflakes. Um, if a if a if a larger organization invests in these technologies, um, they obviously have uh, an interest in making sure they they a have a workforce to recruit um, that that um, are well versed in them, so I would say that's that's driving the formalization. Um, but I think there's also um, in the let's say alternative uh, university courses, like if you think about um, massively online open courses like the MOOCs, the Udacity, uh, Coursera, there are courses now um, that um, I would say they cover some of that, right? It, it, especially if you come from a non-traditional background um, and you want to venture into the industry, the, the industry is definitely looking like there is, there's big demand. So how do you, how do you venture into it? Um, you know, it can also be a bootcamp, right? Uh, data science boot yeah. camps. And um, look, I think we're still um, challenged with understanding which ones um, are good and which ones are not that good. And, you know, which, 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 Providers do a good job. I think that is, um, uh, you know, industry knowledge that's spreading. Um, it's mostly word of mouth. Um, I'm thinking maybe, you know, um, the same way Forrester and Gartner have, um, um, you know, pushed their quadrants on, you know, evaluating vendors, right? Okay. Similarly, the quality of an education um, or a quality of a credential um, could be evaluated in a similar way. You know, and and, and along along a, a dimension, right? There are two always two dimensions when it comes to the vendor um, 
classification. So I think for credentials, it's similar. Um, and I, I'd be yeah, I'd be keen to to know if there are any um, certifications or credentials that you are looking out for that you see in the market that that work really well, um, that make a candidate stand out. No, that, that that was a good one. Um, I think like your answer is kind of very similar and related to my you know subtopics that I put it out for yeah. open for the floor anyone anyway right. Um, well, so the way that how you see yourself, I mean, as a data engineer or in your principle, you sort of like feel that the formalization comes from the credentials, the alternative credentials, is it right? That's good. Okay. Any other organization out there? I'm just out of curious. Yeah. So can I make uh, this thing? You made an observation that somebody coming from AWS or these big companies, we look at them as very credible with good credentials, automatically assume that they are good software. What is that they are do doing differently? Why do we give that? Uh, why do we think an engineering engineer who has been hired by AWS is obviously better than you know anybody else? What is that? So I'm thinking that, okay, maybe if we understand that aspect and then that can lead to uh, lead us to think about how can we actually build that into some formal curriculums or courses that everybody is doing uh, as they are coming out of colleges, right? So that that should uh, help us, you know, standardize uh, uh, the training part uh, that we the, uh, that we get from the you know uh, from the market. Well, yeah, I I would I would say one big reason why we put so much um, emphasis or you know we we hold how hold people with um these credentials in such high regard you know if you um a lot of the um the industry um avant-garde um a lot of the uh, technologies were developed at companies like google uh facebook amazon um right, s3 um amazon is the um is the the market leader and the pioneer in in cloud um at least at scale so i guess that's um a first mover's advantage right and 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 they put their brand on it early on i think at least that's personally you know the way the way i would think about it of course um whether that's still true because nowadays obviously you know this knowledge has spread is 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 a good question and you know people have moved on and so um that might change as well mm -hmm. well i think um one of the I mean, distinguishing factors, so for example, when I uh, started, I mean, you see now there are technology companies, for example, companies like AWS or these technology companies, which are called tech companies, uh, when they hire, they are testing you for specific skills, right? So when that is when I looked up the Google, Google coding interview um, book. So there, if you see those engineers, are at a very uh, uh, foundation level logic, right? So how, what is like efficient code? Anybody can write code, but is it a good code, right? So there is, that is the differentiating factor. So in every uh, company, there is a lot of work that happens. There's a lot of work, software work that is going on. Is it necessarily the best work that is happening? And we know that that is, there's a lot of gaps there, right? So, and, and, there is no, um, there is a volume problem. There is a requirement. There is, we need so many people. And at the same time, we cannot be picky and choose, picking and choosing, uh, you know, these high caliber uh, engineers. So this is where there is this catch-22 situation for us, right? So we need people on the ground. We need people, we need things to happen. Com companies are competing. Uh, they have to be on the front. So this is, uh, how I don't know how we can solve this problem mm. because that is always going to be a, that is always going to be a challenge. So companies will accept medical engineering work as long as it works, right? Yeah, what's good enough? Mm. Yeah, I think I think from from that perspective, I don't know if uh, I may be wrong, but Henrik, um, you were not saying that engineers that uh, you know particularly work for AWS are better engineers than anybody else. He was just saying that. In terms of formalization, um, if a like 
an enterprise architect, for example, has credentials or certification from AWS, they're classed as, you know, at a certain level compared to somebody that doesn't, not that somebody who mm. works at Google or somebody who works at Amazon is better than an engineer that would work at another company. He's just yes. talking about the, the credentials. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah because, yeah. Um, you know, we, we have a, I'm from Germany, right? And we have a saying in German, um, everybody cooks with water. And, you know, the, it's true, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> the the challenges that Google face, uh, we all kind of face them, right? I mean, they they may be a couple of years ahead, but, um, and the requirements might be slightly different, but, you know, it's, um, it's in, in the end, yeah, it's, these things are transferable. I would also say, you know, you can you can of course pull in um, certifications and ped certain pedigrees. You know, university courses. Um, there's a massive amount at how much people just apply themselves on the job, um, and I think especially um, in a, in a young discipline like this in the field of data science, data engineering, um, generally um, handling data. There's um, so much so much sort of rolling up your sleeves and really getting. Um, getting onto the job, right? I mean, a, a lot of it is learning on the job. And I think that's where, um, well, project experience, right? We, when, when we, when we talk to people and we want to assess how senior they are and how, um, much experience they have, they need to share details about what they've been up to. It's not just it, a, a certification only takes you so far. Um, it, yeah. it, it may be, yeah. um, a signal, but it's not the deciding factor. It's really when you get down to, how the project really looked like, what was delivered. Okay. A really quick one for me is that I, I got a sense that like everyone kind of like to have a positive take on this alternative credentials. Now, should we ask ourselves, like, why is it formal institutions are slow in taking those content and teaching the next generation? Because how many are there in the unit? Like, at least I know that like university in Canada uh, recently that I looked at, they haven't half a course or any degree from data science yet. They do touch a little bit of like courses in a year four um, in computer science, but why why isn't there still out there yet, right? Like to your point, Hendrik, 10 years ago, I mean, there's no such thing at all, right? Even if we have a PhD students or holders, they write a thesis, but it's really specific you know, to that use case or the research they're using computer vision or like there's some sort of like data generation with algorithms behind it. Um, so that's one of, I've been thinking that, like, why is it so slow? You know, even I recently, when I moved down to Australia four years ago, I thought that like, let me take this, this like this master of degree from a university locally. Um, I took on and I tried it out and I was like, wait, hold on a minute. Like, the software is not there. The teaching is not there. The, the quality is not as par as, you know, Coursera, Udacity that you mentioned. So I really oh. wonder why. All right, great. So that, that then brings us to your question, Cassie, like that you've taken us, you know, um, into. And your question is the role of alternative credentials in um, formalization. Um, now that you've yeah. given us like the, the overall view of it or like what you were looking at, do you want to give us a bit more information? Mm, yeah, I guess that on top of like everything that I just say, right? Like one is challenging our formal institution, like because we all know that as alternative credentials mm -hmm. is affordable, it's accessible everywhere else, it's mostly done virtually, right? But you know, you have Harvard, you have MIT, they come up with virtual um credentials as like I, I took a courses in MIT X Pro, but why isn't that as part as a degree from MIT? If they're taking the same courses or content from, you know, a few classes, you know, they teach in MIT. So like that's one as well. But I think another bit from, you know, uh, as someone that are hiring people that has, you know, credentials background, alternative credentials background, I think question that you might want to ask is like, how do you um, how, how do you say this? You know, they may not always accurate reflect on individuals' knowledge and skills, even though they take like 10 or 20 um, certificates. Mm -hmm. That's a challenge. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a good question. What do, What are your thoughts on that, um, Ramesh? No, I mean, the industry not keeping up with the trends 
you know technology is so fast right it is we can't i mean for me itself when i started between and since i was stuck in the investment bank right so banks move very slowly in terms of technology upgrades right and after 12 years when i'm outside i really found it difficult to uh, i mean and that the situation was i moved to australia and i had to start from scratch and the landscape is completely different right course, and yeah. we were uh, so this is a, this is why i keep using this example because in the last 10 years things have just changed we were like in traditional model when i was working there and then suddenly you see that everything is open source now it's so much reliance on open source and so that means there are people doing it so how uh, this is one of the biggest challenge in terms of keeping up to date that's why i was thinking that there are some foundational skills or basic skills of an engineer software engineer those are not they are not changing and as long as they are strong Uh, those foundational skills and knowledge uh, then they can pick up anything and they do can uh, work on anything this basic mindset of how do i design how do i write the best code right so that is what is missing in the uh, industry and if universities can focus on that that can help plus industry university partnerships right so even in grades with such a big organization it was such a difficult thing to get interns right we were uh, so probably we should work with universities to get more interns train you know that will uh, in another way increase uh, that and, and I, i always found that interns are the best recruits to you know uh, they always yeah, are energetic and uh, this thing and we can do that and that if we can expand on that that will probably you know help move us in the in the right direction yeah okay. yeah that's a really good shout out getting um sort of the young blood in the um people that have a fresh mind um that that's that that's really important yeah um especially as they uh sort of haven't been exposed as much to um well you know they they don't have as many role models to look or you know that you know what i mean yeah, right? they, the they, they, there's not that many examples out there so they yeah. they they might not have considered it yet um um when it comes to alternative credentials maybe one of the things we could take um out of the playbook from uh, you know chartered organizations um uh, you know there there are these things like cfa for uh, on the accounting yeah. side but also there's um um in the uk they have um chartership for engineers right the the um engineering organizations there um which usually standard well not standardizes but really um certifies um a certain amount of industry experience um that is uh, peer reviewed right there's you, you sort of have a um a sponsor in that organization that attests that your experience is at uh, uh, an established level yeah. um and i think maybe this is something that um the tech industry has been slow to take up but something that's becoming more relevant so that they become transferable across organizations and um organizations can learn from each other in that way um and best practices become um well um yeah certified in a way and um and and um published um, openly i think businesses would also benefit from it do you think that the field moves so fast yeah. that you know having a chart um might not be applicable mm, you you mean because technology is moving yeah, so fast we just yeah. never have the time the to really it, sit down yeah like you know Yeah, yeah, the tide will change all the time. It's you know moving along the demand as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's very it spans many many industries. Although I would say um you know mechanical engineering can also span multiple industries um and and you know they they kind of manage somehow. Maybe we'll find some middle ground between you know moving sort of moving fast but not breaking things basically. <laughs> Yeah. So I like I like what Ramesh mentioned about you know the fundamentally the mindset as an engineer as a software engineer should be there. Um, I think like that's what most of the computer science degree have, right? Like fundamentally, you you don't teach you don't you don't teach language or how to write a program um, in university, but they teach you the fundamental, the theoretical, the concept. 
um, I think that's definitely can be part of the chart, right? Like you mentioned about the chart of organization. Um, it just the practice, I think is a little bit different, right? The skill set, the transferable skill set um, might be, you know, you just like, I feel like it's just like a water, it changed really fast. It moved fast. Yeah. Thanks, so. Thanks for everyone. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks for your inputs on that one. Um, so, and last but not least, um, Ramesh, your question was, um, can the role in the IT department be standardized between organizations? Do you want to give us a bit of, um, you know, insight on that? Yeah, so one of the biggest challenge, uh, one of the biggest thing, I mean, one of the things that has still not happened in industry is between companies, we don't have a very standard role definition in IT organization, which is really confusing. Uh, on one, uh, somebody uh, in senior software engineer may mean something else in uh, senior data engineer means something else. So that, so we have still not arrived at a standard way of organizing IT uh, IT engineers, right? And then at the same time, the like uh, Hendrik, you were mentioning, right? Sometimes you have to roll up and get the things done, and you know you end up doing everything, right? So I think if we are able to have some basic structure, which is you know common across organizations. Without that, I don't think I don't know how we can actually work towards you know formalizing and building certifications or alternate certifications credentials that people can you know get and you know aspire to be in that role. So that is uh, I think that is wow one of the things one of the reasons why we are not able to you know uh, agree on formal credentials uh, that uh, that people should get to you know. Uh, apply for yeah. some or be in some role, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a thorny one because sometimes you even see it in within a single organization. There's a discrepancy across departments, right? A um, developers, testers, um, site reliability engineers, as you say, data. What, what does it mean to be a senior data engineer? What does it mean to be a principal engineer? All these things can can differ even from one department to the next. Um, who who do you think should um should lead that um which which yeah who who should be at the helm of of um you know standardizing that or you know giving guidelines of um what the criteria are it's a good question so uh, in terms of uh, uh, i mean methodology and how we build software we are doing a lot of work a lot of uh, you know, discussions are happening on that uh, uh, in that and agile has come and agile has flattened the things i kind of believe uh, uh, that agile uh, in the agile model itself uh, it's uh, the uh, it's you know multi so everybody in the team should be able to do everything right so they should be very highly skilled so at the end of the day if you are writing uh, building software or writing code you need to know how to test the code you need to know you know uh, writing the best code um, so that means that there should not be any differentiation between uh, as the titles we have right now, right? So the, the differentiation should come based on the experience, number of years you have spent building and developing that skill. Having said that, in an organization, then again, there is a career path for people to grow, to get uh, more salary and, and uh, things like that. That is why those roles and hierarchies are defined. So that kind of uh, works in opposite way where the technologists or engineers cannot develop or build their skills, continue to evolve their skills uh, in that field. So I think a organization themselves should, uh, first of all, who, the software engineering team should not have these, um, should not have too many uh, layers. It's based on, basically based on the technical experience and expertise and their proven work that they have done. Uh, and do that first, 
right? And then focus on uh, the core technical skills that software engineers should have, right? And then separate that management and other roles uh, out of that, right? So then I think that is where I think we should start and flatten this first and then create these uh, teams which are you know, very technical teams and who are very good at churning out good software and at a high speed, right? So very uh, high frequency. Okay. What, what are your thoughts on that, Cassie? Hmm. Depends on how you see it, right? Like practices, there's definitely um, at some way we need to you know, formalize the practice and like mindset, I'm totally up for it. Like, I mean, I'm known for um, like, I'm a troublemakers, I'm a breakers. Uh, that's because I'm innovative. I have an innovation. Like I, I am innovative, right? Just in general, right? Because now you're saying standardizing between the companies and departments. Now, my question back to you, Ramesh, is that how do you still or balance out, you know, um, the creativity Side of things, and also like limit the potential for any individuals that wants to involve with innovation development. Because you mentioned about not getting to too many ways of like doing things, and oh, go with like the fundamental way, you know, start from there. That's yeah. What's your take on that? Like, how do you balance that? Like, you know, you have a creativity, you have a standard. This is how you should do things, and then this has been there for ten years. Now, when I say standardization, what I meant was like, um, I'm not talking about hey, there's only one way of doing things. I'm not talking about doing things. What I'm yeah. saying is that, okay, if you want to formalize the, you know, how do you uh, uh, give some you know, uh, title or credit to uh, somebody saying that he or she has that experience uh, is, uh, uh, is based on uh, the experience level. That's what I was trying to say, right? So if you are a senior software engineer, you should have certain level of experience, certain uh, credits or certain uh, achievements that you should show. But be between companies, in one company you are a principal engineer, in another company is a senior engineer. So how do I evaluate what is uh, what you have you and, and set, setting the expectation between the uh, between the companies itself how do we make how do we grow people right so we need to set expectation in this role you are expected to do xyz and that also will different differ from one company to other company and their mix of you know technical skills and other soft skills and there are a lot of other things that we put in and that the hr practices so uh, there is there there is no focused development of an engineer that is happening, right? So that is that is the standardization I was talking about. So if I say that okay, as a senior software engineer, I've developed, I've worked for four years in this company. In the next company, when I am going, I, well, I am going to go to a similar role, and it is very clearly defined, which is in line with uh, what I've done. I'm kind of loudly thinking here because, yeah. Uh, and at the same time, I feel that uh, we have uh, in software itself, we we have created this QA role, BA role, and all that. That has uh, lead, led to software engineers not even thinking, right? Not even trying to understand who are we developing the software for, correct? So these skills, how will these skills develop, right? Build. So we need to. Uh, at the end of the day, we are trying to solve that problem of getting good software engineers who can build the right software and to meet the business requirements. Correct. So that is the end objective, and um, so that is the, that that is what I meant by if we have that common understanding between companies, uh, common way of uh, looking at those roles, it will be helpful. Innovation can still happen, right? In your role, you can do yeah. continue to innovate. Yeah. yeah like, so okay. Yeah. So like I, I want to ask, how would you then differentiate? Say, for example, you just said like, you know, you you want to say for one person who has say four years experience in one company, they're moving to the next company. Uh, they should be at the same level, but that's you know not really gonna do you know other companies justice because a person that comes from like in my view. Um, or a recruiter's view, a person that comes from a big, like a massive company, 
wouldn't have as much experience as, say, for example, an engineer that comes from a startup because they are like, you know, hands on doing end to end. Whereas in the big companies, somebody will start, you know, the production and this person will do this part of um, the work and then the next person will do part of the implementation. How do we then, you know, differentiate between Mm. those people? Yeah. Yeah, The same title. Yeah. Well, yeah. like uh, um, Ramesh mentioned breaking down silos, right? Um, it's it's part of seniority as well, having um, jumped across, having that appreciation um, on the testing side, having that appreciation on the user side, mm-hmm. right? Um, that, 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 that is part of seniority. Um, I would okay. say part of the experience, uh, part of the learning curve. Um, and um, as you said, yeah, um, very often when um, people are very hands-on in smaller companies and they they have to take on multiple hats. Yeah. Um, that's often regarded as a bonus, right? As a, as a good thing because you know you, you have to get things done. There's, n- there's not a DevOps department that will do it for yeah. you and, and build your CI/CD pipeline. You'll actually have to build it yourself. And having these... Um, uh, multifaceted e- exposures, um, I would say that's, that's, that's always a plus, right? And I think that's... Um, yeah, it's, it's part of the, should be part of the journey, I guess. If it's not part of a graduate scheme, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's good if it's you know part of the journey. Mm. Okay, Ramesh, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, so you can still validate, evaluate, right? Like I said, uh, if they have additional skills and knowledge, it is a bonus. Yeah. But there will be some basic uh, requirement for that role and basic skills that uh, they should have honed in that particular role. Right? That cannot change. Addition, in addition to that, if, have, if they have gained uh, other experience because of the opportunities that they have and they were motivated to achieve or learn something else or do something more than what they were doing, that's a bonus. And that's the right attitude. Uh, so that we can always, uh, you know, uh, manage, and if somebody as per saying that okay, was well, now I've gained sufficient uh, experience, I want uh, I want to be uh, you know uh, the next level role. I want to apply for the next level role. You normally don't say that okay, in, even in a promotion cycle, right? So if you're in getting promoted, you should be already doing that role or doing those uh, you know showing the demonstrating those skills. Yeah. Then you will get into that role. Right? So obviously, everybody has to learn the next level of skills and then move into that uh, role. So, but the basic requirement for that uh, role in that with that experience sh- will not change. That can be kind of a level defined between companies. Right? That is what I think. Okay. Anybody else want to add anything? You know, some other thoughts also came to mind. But yeah, it's a very complex problem and where... Uh, another thing is, uh, I remember from India, we used to have you know, every second day somebody was flying to US because so there was so much demand for engineers. The, the industry needs so many engineers and there's so much work. So this is hopefully slowly we'll get to a stage where, you know, uh, and in the last 10 years, whatever uh, the uh, change and growth that has happened in technology, uh, it has brought lot of uh, uh, lot of um, uh, ability for anybody to uh, come in and innovate, uh, so people can uh, learn by themselves. There was uh, there was a time where you had to rely on you know um, you know buying software. It was not really accessible, right? So you need to learn some basic skills and get on to write some code and that's it. But now things are changing. Hopefully we'll get to that stage. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a, a good engineer will uh, always be in demand uh, and will continue to be in demand for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we definitely haven't formalized it today. Um, that's uh, <laughs> would, have, uh, would have been surprised. Yeah. Um, but I think um, I think um, it's it's good that we start thinking about it, um, how, how this can happen. Um, and because we've, we've all seen the pain points or we've all seen the challenges around yeah. it. Um, right? We've all seen the, the challenges around the fast moving technology stack. Um, the, ever, the, the, the only constant being change, essentially. 
And yeah, the, I mean, if there's one thing that's also certain is that there will still be demand for for good people, um, you know, despite the chat GPTs and, uh, and uh, um, AI solutions, they won't, um, you know, they'll write some code for us at some point, maybe, but, uh, but not um, the full, the full architecture, you know, they'll, they'll have a, a small part to play. Good people still have the, the majority, like the bigger, biggest part to play. I think like so like you mentioned about like job metrics as career pop. I I still somehow not quite agree that like how do you formalize that? You know, like the career title changed so much. In fact, that like my last title, like there's none of that in this market in Australia. So you have to write yourself, you have to like, you know, build it and form it. But standardizing it, um, how do you standard it? So it's still a challenge. And do you want to standard it? Like, do you want to standardize it, I guess, um, or formalize that, you know, especially for our field, such a innovative and changes all the time. Um, a, a different question, I think. I think it just comes from a different perspective here. I think that that is one of the reasons that is, this is accepted, right? Uh, uh, in technology, things are so fluid, things are changing fast, and uh, so everybody is okay with this. So nobody cares, uh, nobody is really uh, focusing on this. May not be, this may not be the challenge and problem. But mm. yeah, the one thing I do always is even when I'm hiring data engineers, I focus on uh, focus on uh, software engineering skills. I start with those questions, and so far I've been lucky. But also I've seen that uh, I have two tech leads. One is a software engineering background. One is a data engineering background, but they think very differently. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, probably we could start with making sure that uh, they have this basic software engineering, uh, uh, understanding of software the engineering mindset, principles, right? yeah. mindset, mm. and yeah. that will always work. Uh, mm. you know, it will help. There's some benefit in learning from each other, right? And I guess yeah. that's to your point, True. Cassie, how, how much do we want to standardize, right? I guess formalization shouldn't mean standardization. All right. Um, great chat, everyone. And just before we um, end the podcast, I would like to say thank you so much to all our guests for sharing their thoughts on um, today's topic. And once again, um, our guests for this podcast have been um, Henrik Frentrup from Baron Joey, Cassie Leung from Asbuild Digital, as well as Ramesh Kumar from Big Tin Can. Um, thanks again to all our guests and thank you guys for um, listening. We hope you join us um, next time. Bye.